Hey guys, this is Emily Richardson. And this is Megan Rawlings. And you are listening to the Talk, Talk Bible to Me podcast, presented by The Bold Movement. Hey, bold ones, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the Talk Bible to Me podcast. What we do is we work together through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, and this season we are studying the famous prison epistle, which is just a fancy way of saying letter from prison, Philippians. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and find a comfy spot to sit, maybe grab your coffee. We're going to work through Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If you're new here, we're so excited you're here, right Emily? Oh yeah. And if you want to help contribute, we're going to talk about ways you can do that later. And then this podcast is also an extension of the Bold Movement, which is just a ministry that trains women how to boldly step into their role in the kingdom of God by studying the Bible and teaching them how to teach other women, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. So here's how this podcast works. Was that yeah too much? (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So here's how our podcast works. What we're going to do is we are going to read a verse or two, maybe three at a time, and then we're going to stop and Emily and I are going to talk about it and share some interesting information that we found or things that we've studied, and then we're going to tell you where we found that. So if you want to look further into it, you can do that as well. Yep, and then today we're going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible, often referred to as the NASB, or I usually say the NASB. So let's get started. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to go ahead and read the verse, Megan? Go for it, girl. All right, it says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Something I want to do with you guys before we get into this, when in verse 2 it says, make my joy complete, remember this is Paul talking in this letter he's writing is to the church in Philippi. And if you haven't listened to any of the episodes leading up to this, go ahead and go back and hear those. That way you can better understand this podcast in context. Don't you think that'd be a good idea? Yep. Absolutely. Um. So also, something else I want to mention is at the beginning of verse 1, it starts with the word therefore, and in most translations, it does not use that word. It just says, um, so, or it just kind of completely glances over that. And I think that is very important because therefore is a conjunction and I actually Googled what part of speech therefore was, and it's actually a conjunctive adverb. <laughs> so I'm really bad at grammar, but I know what a conjunction <laughs> is, me okay? Schoolhouse <laughs> rock. <laughs> that's exactly right. I need to watch some. But I think this therefore is very important because in the Greek, it's there very prominently. And the reason I think it's important is because it's saying this isn't something isolated. You need to go back because it's com- it's continuing from verses that started actually chapter 1 verse 27 so this is a continuation of what's being stated and when we skip that therefore it seems like it's a completely different isolated event does that make sense so in the nasb which is why we uh chose this translation is because it started with therefore and i think that's an important word that's sometimes not used 
Also, when I said the idea and concept from chapter one, verses 27 started here, the idea we're talking about is unity. And um, I'll go ahead and read verse 27 real quick so you know what I'm talking about. It says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And that's going to make more sense as we read the next couple of verses, knowing that this whole focus is on unity. Right on. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, something else I want to tell you guys. Are you ready for the uh, fun Greek is for geeks time? We're always ready for this. Dance party. We should add like music and do like a. Greek we should a Greek jingle. A Greek jingle. <laughs> My husband is like, fervorously like shaking his head. No, did I use that right word? Fervorously. Fervous. Fervently. Fervently. <laughs> Fervently. Vigorously. I think you mixed. Vigorously. Guys, it's been a really long couple of days. I swear, I'm not that bad at English. Okay, the truth is I am that bad at English. I just don't want you to know that. Okay. Greek is for geeks and we are geeks, so let's learn a new word. If you want to get geeky, learn Greeky. Want to get geeky, learn Greeky with our new word. Yeah. The Greek word here, um, when we, it says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, those ifs are the Greek word I, okay, which is epsilon iota. And then English, it looks like an E and an I, okay? There are two ifs in the Greek language. <clears throat> did you know that? Did I know that? Yeah. I did not know that. This is my first yeah. time hearing this. You're taking me back, though, to like middle school when I learned the Greek alphabet. So I do know a little bit. That's about it. Hey, <laughs> you learned the Greek alphabet? It's like the one school? thing I remember from middle school. How strange is that? There was a song that went cool. with it. I'm not going to no sing kidding. it. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, well, I wish you would. <laughs> Next I time. Fun. Okay. <laughs> so there's two ifs in the Greek language. The I, which is used here, and the on, which is an epsilon alpha nu, okay? Which looks like E, A, and V in our English. That's way too much. Who cares? Okay. Here's why that's important. <laughs> Um, I is if, and it is. Et on is if, and it may or may not be. So if I'm going to say, um, if you go with us to the zoo, we're going to see uh, zebra, okay? That's if, and you may or may not go. You're not sure yet. Okay. But I is if, and this is for sure a thing, and it can also be translated as since, the if used here is if and it is. It's not him saying if, and there may or may not be encouragement in Christ. If, and it may, that's not what it's saying. It's saying if, and there is encouragement in Christ. Mm -hmm. If, and there is consolation of love. If, and there is fellowship of the Spirit. So Paul really could say, since there is fellowship of the Spirit, since there is affection and compassion. And I just thought that was a really interesting fun fact. It is. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? It is. <laughs> if it if, is. And it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. And Paul is calling the congregation in Philippi to be united in these um, 
in these things from verse 1. And so this is really interesting. Does this mean that there was discourse and disunity? Because he talks about all these things that they have. And then he says in verse 2, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. He's calling for them to have this unity. So my question is, which this is kind of a rhetorical question, um, is there discourse and disunity if there's a call for unity? It's not like you're going to call for unity in a place where it's already in existence. Mm-hmm. Um And then um, this is why it's so important to read letters in the New Testament all the way through before you dissect them, because we find out in chapter four that there is disunity. He's telling two of the members of the church in Philippi to quit being at odds. Mm -hmm. And so we know there's something going on here. And he's saying, use these gifts and be unified in them. All right, Emily, it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Solid education. That was awesome. (laughs) I do think uh, another kind of key thing that we we see to help us know that unity was missing is that Paul says it's the one thing left to make his joy complete. So his joy was not complete yet because unity was missing. So he was mm. he was already joyful about this church because we know Philippians is is considered the book of joy because he talks about the words joy and rejoice a ton of times just in this small letter. Um, But he tells the Philippians to make his joy complete by being like-minded, or literally that means minding the same thing. Um, So they were probably doing what many of our churches do. They were probably fighting over non-essentials, forgetting the gospel. Like We do this all the time. Um, So when he says being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose, he's talking about gospel-centered living because this was not a command for unity at the expense of truth. It was being like-minded in the same thing, which is also the right thing. So he's telling them, my joy can't be complete until you guys have the same mind. You're like-minded, you're unified. So that in essence is saying, my joy is not complete yet because you're not unified yet. So let's get this together. (laughs) Yeah. And Jesus was real big on unity too, which we're going to talk about here in a second. So Um, Do you want to go ahead and go read the next couple verses? Yeah, these are verses three and four. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay, so verse three is my favorite verse in the Bible. (laughs) Fun fact. (laughs) Um, I highly recommend you guys memorize it because I quote it to myself, especially when I get frustrated with people (laughs) or if they like, so I quote it a lot and (laughs) just kidding. I love people. I love people, but I'm always, you know, preaching to myself, consider others Mm -hmm. more important than yourselves. Um, especially in a culture that says, you know, you first baby, like self-care. I am all about self-care. If it's taking a shower, taking a minute, checking your mental health. But I think oftentimes we go to an extreme where it's not self-care, it's selfishness. Self-love. And it's so much about us that we neglect everyone around Mm -hmm. us. And I think there is definitely a um, balance there. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that you need to consider people so important that you are a welcome mat or, you know, being walked on all over. I think you do need to stand up for yourself. But at the same time, I think we need to have an element of you know what, I do need to consider other people more important. And when I do that, it's just going to make life 
significantly better. And I'm not going to get frustrated with the expectation of people trying to be what I want. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And C.S. Lewis said something really cool about it. Um, Do you like C.S. Lewis, Emily? I love C.S. Lewis. Like love. Oh, you do? Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever met someone who doesn't. So no, (laughs) (laughs) it's a pretty easy one. Pretty cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's all right. You know, whatever. So (laughs) it was just a little smart. Yeah, a little. There was a movie that I uh, watched, and it made me absolutely fall in love with him. And it was called Shadowlands. I've heard of it. So I've not seen. If you get a chance to watch it, just made me fall in love with him. Um, He said. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I heard that probably, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've kept that quote in my mind too. And that kind of goes back to the don't be a doormat. Yep. Um, anyway. Yeah. Also, the selfish ambition here is the same term used in chapter 1, verse 17, where it talks about um, those who are preaching from selfish ambition while Paul was in prison. It's that same term used here Mm. that says, uh, do nothing from selfishness or self-ambition. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, because he's basically saying, don't be just like these other people that are (laughs) taking advantage of me being in prison. Absolutely. Um, and I'm really working on not being a parrot, but (laughs) (laughs) when people have already said it and they said it so well. It's so good. You might as well just quote them and give them credit for it. I mean, if it ain't broke, (laughs) don't try to fix it. (laughs) Um, Lynn Kohick, which is someone that I've used a lot in the Philippian study we've done. She said the Greek term translated humility um, is not found before the Christian era. And I thought that was hmm. absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, although classical Greek did have a similar term that meant meanness of condition. And in case you guys aren't aware, classical Greek is not the same as the Greek that the Bible was written in. That is Koine Greek, which means common Greek. So the word is a combination of the Greek word lowly and the verb to think. And the same verb Paul used twice in 2.2 and used again in 2.5, a total of 10 times in this letter. Hmm. Recall that to think involves actions and attitudes. The same emphasis carries here. Believers are called to imagine or reimagine themselves as of lowly stature. Hmm. And I thought this was fascinating um, because I've, it really hit me hard with, with studying this um, because I have had this terrible thing where I'm constantly comparing myself to others. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like this permission to not compare myself, which I know this is humility, but at the same time, like, why do we compare ourselves to others Yeah, to either put ourselves above them or to gain acceptance or whatever it is? But here, I am only comparing myself to Christ, and it's not to see if I'm better than Christ, but rather to measure at what level mm-hmm. I am in my spiritual maturity. Yeah. Um, and then she goes on to say, to Paul, humility is a key virtue. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality. Christ is the measure of all things, and all believers are in Christ. That's- Actually, I think that was a Carson. I think that was Carson. So good. That's so good. We all easily compare ourselves to others, but to to think of the burden being lifted off when you're not doing that anymore, it really is a relief, not, you know, it takes off a lot of stress. Um, Absolutely. 
and when you're talking about being more like Christ, it's it's kind of an ironic thing because of all the people to have the right to boast, it was Jesus. He's literally mm-hmm. equal to God. He is God. He has all of God's power, yet not once did he use it against anybody else. Um, he easily could have said he was too mighty for death because he was, but he let himself go through it because obedience for him was way more important than his significance. So it was because of his humble obedience that he was exalted, which is complete opposite of how we view, (laughs) you know, obedience. But we think we deserve so much on the other hand, because we were human and we're prideful and our kids will not say thank you and we'll get angry because we believe we deserve a thank you from our kids or we do the dishes and we believe we deserve to not have to make dinner that night. You know, it's, we kind of see ourselves as a form of God because we think we're so awesome, (laughs) but we're really not. Um, and there's, there's a really good quote that I got from my commentary. It's the Expositor's Bible Commentary. I don't know the authors because there's like two or three of them, so I never know who actually is writing these quotes. But um, it says, Nothing makes a being less like God than the urge to be his equal. For in Christ, he who was equal with God stepped down from his glorious throne to display to the wondering eyes of humankind the humility of God. So... That's that irony that humble obedience is actually what makes us most in his image. But the more humble we become, the less we want to be like God because we know he's the only one who deserves glory. Yet the more humble we become, the more we are like God and he gives us glory in heaven. So it's it's this crazy irony that we live our lives wanting to be more like Christ. Well, to be more like Christ, we actually have to become less like ourselves and put down our pride, which is the hardest thing to do (laughs) because we care about our character and we care about our reputations and our comforts, but we have to put it down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, I think right now we're going to take a quick commercial break. So this is brought to you by our sponsors. Check it out. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from our sponsors. We are able to continue podcast episodes like this because of our Patreon supporters, Jerry Lewis, Kelsey Graff, Soyan Barber, Julia Carter, Amy Mathis, Jill Walters, and Dave Hansel. If you like what you hear, would you consider becoming a partner of The Bold Movement? Our plans range from $5 a month to $50 a month with exciting incentives for growing Christian women. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash The Bold Movement. Now, back to the show. Hey guys, and welcome back. If you want to hear your name read on our podcast, all you have to do is go to our patreon.com forward slash the bold movement. We would love for you to be a part of the bold movement in that way. Don't you think it'd be a great idea for them to join us there, Emily? I think it would be awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Jinx machines out of order. No. <laughs> All right. So guys, these next few verses are referred to as the hymn of Christ. 
So Emily and I are going to sing the next few verses. And I actually forgot to tell you, I have to be somewhere. So if you want to sing these by yourself, like, go for it. <laughs> go. Where do you have to be, Emily? This has been on the books. <laughs> no, I was actually, um, as I was studying this, I was like, why has no one written this as a worship song yet? Yeah. So we're supposed to interview um, Keith Getty. Yeah. Hopefully that works out because we've had to reschedule. But um, it's the 20th anniversary of In Christ Alone. Mm-hmm. And he's a modern hymn writer. And I really want to be like, let's convince him. Yo, Keith. That would be awesome. Can you just like write a worship song to this beautiful section of scripture? Because it's one of the coolest things ever. I'm going to read it. Like we're going to go over it. But I'm. this is like really stinking good stuff yeah, i had literally i did not know that it was a hymn so that's pretty cool yeah it's a hymn okay and we're we're talking about hymns h-y-m-n like a song. not him mm-hmm. like a person <laughs> i think they got that <laughs> i hope so now they know yeah 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 all right and first in verse oh my gosh first. <laughs> trying to say verse and five at the same time it wasn't coming out in verse 5, um, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if Jesus has this mindset, and the, and I want to talk to you guys about this too, because this is a, a geeky Greek thing as well. A lot of translations will say, which is yours also, or which is also yours in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're putting the your in the wrong spot. Ooh. Yeah. Because the actual Greek is like, um, have this mind, mindset, mm-hmm. like have this, like mind, it's mindset, that's what it's translated. But here it's attitude, which makes sense because in English, I mean, that's what a mindset yeah. is, right? Mm-hmm. Have this mindset in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Um, in, the, in the ESV and stuff, I think it says. Yeah, I think it says it's yours. Yours. Yeah. Which... Yes, we do get things through the Spirit of Christ, but I think if we read this in context, this is talking about the mindset Christ had, which is unity and humility, Mm -hmm. and then later on, it's going to continue that theme, so I don't think it's talking about us here. I think think Paul's talking about Christ, Mm -hmm. and so just go ahead and clip that your out, Mm-hmm. Because that's supposed to go with the mindset part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's have this mindset because Jesus had this mindset. Yep. And um, when we look at it like that, how can you not have this mindset? Yeah. I mean, Christ did. How How could I not? Yeah. And this is such a heart check because, you know, part of that verse talks about um, – not looking at your own interests, but also the interests of others. And just like a kind of common example, but like my husband loves baseball. And for the most part, maybe I should say for the whole part, I really don't care about baseball at all. <laughs> but <laughs> but because I love him, I want to put some of his interests above my own. So we'll go to games together. And it ends up that I actually enjoy going to these games. But if I had not put his interests above my own or at the same level as my own interests, I would have missed out on opportunity for a relationship, which Mm. that's part of unity, right? So it's just a really simple example that's nothing like what Jesus has done for us, but just that kind of modern take on it, I guess, to think of, you know, a small example of putting someone else's interests above your own and what that does to bring unity and what it does to um, 
humble yourself because for me, I, I hate baseball, honestly. <laughs> He's going to listen to this and be like, oh, yep, she's right. But No, I love baseball. So Matt, if you need a baseball buddy, my husband and I love it. <laughs> there you go. And if I go and Matt goes, then you're Matt and you can ha- you and I can hang exactly. out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I like the games. I'll go to the games. It's just the, the like sitting – and watching the TV the whole time for every single game. He's like a diehard Cardinals fan. But regardless. Oh, no, I don't do TV. No, no, he does. Every, I every do like, game. I go to the game. It's so the much game better awesome. than watching the TV. I just people watch the whole time I'm there. That's what I love. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> I love that. (laughs) All right. From that, I'm going to go ahead and read verse six, uh, verses six and seven. So it says, um, actually, I'm going to start at five so that you get the context of where I'm going. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Then this is verse six, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bond servant and being born in the likeness of men. Guys real talk i think something that we forget about jesus i swear is that he was a hundred percent god a hundred percent man mm-hmm. and i think we forget that because our minds cannot comprehend it <laughs> <laughs> how are you a hundred percent something pure and holy and good mm-hmm. but also a hundred percent bound like to human nature yeah and i i just yeah <laughs> the closest comprehension i have to this is my kids energy level so they can be 100% tired, but also 100% full of energy at the exact same time. And I feel like <laughs> this is like a small picture of seeing 200% okay. of something at one time. You know what I mean? I love that. I think when I read, and I'm guilty of this, like I have, you know, I a lot of the things that I'm like, don't do this, I do, which is why I'm like, you don't do it. Mm-hmm. So, so that may be way, you know, accountability-wise, we can stop doing it together. <laughs> um, when I read scripture, it's hard for me not to picture Christ as either just God or just man. Yeah. And so, like, um, when I see him healing people or being patient with people, it's a lot easier for me to put him in this box of, oh, well, he's God. That's why it's so easy for him to be patient. Yeah. And I'm not God, so it's totally okay if I <laughs> slip up in this area. <laughs> um, instead of, no, he was still 100% man. He was hungry. He was thirsty. Yeah. He was tempted, and yet he never sinned. Mm-hmm. As 100% man, taking on human nature, like there's no, and he tells us there is no sin that will overcome you that I won't give you a way out. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, do we choose that way out? Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, we don't because we're yep. human. And um, I think that's one of the crazy things is he was human too. And yet he didn't, he always took the way out. And I'm like, dang, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And the, but, yeah, the taking on part, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's a Greek word, but I had seen some of it in my commentary. But the, the literal word for it is um, in addition to, not in replacement of. So when he took Ooh. on the form of a bondservant, um, it's important to note when reading it, that gives us a little bit of a theology for Jesus being 100% of both because it's not saying that mm-hmm. he replaced his deity with humanity. No, he took it on as well as also staying fully God. No, I think that's a really, really good um, observation, and I really do, because it's, 
It's not replacement. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. And some some translations will say even death on a cross. We talked last week about the shame and negative connotations associated with the cross, and Emily brought a lot of that up, and I think it was a very profound and helpful thing um, that she brought to the table. And then also, Elizabeth Elliott is like one of my favorite people. Never met her, obviously, (laughs) but um, I love reading her stuff. And she once said in a book that I was reading, obedience is the highest form of worship, Mm. and I've I don't know. I say that all the time. That's like one of my favorite quotes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love it because it says, by becoming obedient to the point of death. So by him, doing what he was supposed to do was the highest form of worship Hmm. of of God. Yeah, because we often just see worship as singing and leave it at that. And it's not. Worship is so much more. There's a whole other conversation we've got to get into. That could be a whole podcast episode on worship. That could be a whole series, really. <laughs> really good. I mean, if we really did it right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I think when you think of what Jesus did, like the the extent that he went to be obedient, um, you know, death on a cross. We talked about how Romans weren't allowed to be crucified and Jews saw crucifixion as the curse of God. So this was, you know, the worst thing you could do. But he went to that, ex- the, that extent to be obedient how many of us would go this far to be obedient? Like, I know for me personally, I have I have a huge desire for a good reputation. Um, and anytime I'm accused of something I feel like I'm innocent of, I just want to fight back. That's what I want to do. I don't want to try to figure out the story. I just want to say why I'm right and, <laughs> and why I win. Yeah. Um, and yet you have Jesus who had the perfect reputation, like the literal perfect reputation, and he never once fought back. He never fought to say, no, I am God. Like he he knew he was God. He was comfortable in that. And yet he also knew that he had to be obedient to the point of giving up his reputation as this perfect, innocent man. And I have this longing for comfort and ease. And as a pastor's wife, I think the smallest ministry pains can often have me questioning God's goodness like all the time. <laughs> and I have... I've had many relationships end while in ministry and those moments completely break me, but it's nothing close to Jesus being completely abandoned by every single person he loved, every single person that walked with him while he hung on a cross under God's curse because of obedience. Like how many of us are willing to go that far that we're okay with everyone abandoning us? You know, we don't do that. I completely struggle with that because I'm a people person. Mm -hmm. I need to be around people. Um, And sometimes it's even like sinful because it it becomes a codependent, Mm -hmm. codependency kind of situation. Um, And my self-worth is based on, do you want to hang out with me Mm -hmm. or not? Which is so to be obedient to the point where I'm abandoned by everyone. And I just have to depend on God might be the best thing for me, but it also would be the absolute (laughs) hardest thing. Um, But sometimes God does that to us to strip us of our Mm -hmm. sinful nature, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to go on and read this? Yeah, I'll read verses 9 through 10. It says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, 
so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every of this verse eleven, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This um like passage where it's every knee will bow and every tongue confess, this is found in two other places in scripture. And if uh just a quick tip. If you're studying, if you're using a study Bible, one of the things that I love in study Bibles, and sometimes um, just regular Bibles have them as well, and these are called cross-references. If you guys look in the margins of your Bible, or sometimes it's in the footnotes, um, in your verses, there will be tiny little um, alphabet letters, or sometimes it's tiny little numbers, and then it corresponds with the numbers or letters in your margin or in your footnotes. And this shows you other places in Scripture where that idea that concept or mm-hmm. word for word where these are in other places in scripture. And I love that because I'm one of those let scripture interpret scripture, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like read scripture in light of itself. And so this is found two other places, Isaiah 45, 23, and again in Romans 14, 11. So I'm also one of those who says, if the Bible repeats itself, pay attention. Yeah. And that's repeating itself not only in the Old Testament, but also Mm. twice in the New Testament. In regard to verse 9, the hymns, uh, this is Kohik. I'm parroting again. (laughs) What? I want a cracker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) The hymns' final verses. And remember, this is a hymn being, uh, it, it it could be a song. Um, in the hymn's final verses, however, do not celebrate Christ's victory over death as much as his humble obedience and suffering unto death. Mm. What do you think about that? I mean, you just, you don't think about his humble obedience or his suffering being as important or more important than his victory over death. Yeah. But it is, which is why we're called to suffering and that it's a gift to suffer. Yeah. Important but different. Yeah. And then Kohit goes on to say, Jesus is Lord. Um, and this is Isaiah 45 talks about this. At the same or at the name of Jesus, our hymn continues. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This remarkable claim draws on Isaiah 45, 22 through 24. So that's why it's important to see your cross references to see mm-hmm. what what all does this mean? With a significant difference. In our hymn, Paul identifies Jesus as Lord. In doing so, listen to this. He indicates both that Jesus Christ and God the Father have the same nature and that they are not the same person. Mm -hmm. And that's partially where we get the Trinity, guys. Three persons, one God. Mm -hmm. Okay? They have the same nature, but they are different persons. What? (laughs) Blowing your mind. That's that's how I sing. That's how I sing hymns. <laughs> um, something else I thought was interesting is it says that um, every knee um, will bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. When it says heaven here, it's talking about like skies. It's not talking about heaven like where God is right now mm-hmm. and, and all of that. It's talking about like the skies. So like birds of the air, you know, <laughs> people in planes, <laughs> all that crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that was bad. I'm sorry. Um, in heaven, on earth, and then things that are under the earth, which I just thought was absolutely fascinating. So basically what he's saying is the entire cosmos is going to respond to this. Mm. 
Um, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah. And then Kohik says one more thing. Can I read it? Absolutely. Okay. The, uh, the implications of the hymn today, the Christ hymn smashes. I love that. Human <laughs> arrogance, even as it affirms the worth of human body and creation. Mm. That is just like such a good quote. The hymn, the Christ hymn smashes human arrogance, even as it affirms the worth of the human body and mm. creation. I once heard you are unworthy, not worthless. Oh my gosh. See, we Isn't need that. So that. We so need that. Because yeah. there's so many people that, that look at the view of unworthy and take it so far as to think that we are worthless, but that's not what it means. We're not worthy. Martin Luther, for example. We're not perfect, but we are loved and we are worth something. Yeah. Right. That's why the um, where you would beat himself, Martin Luther. <laughs> But he learned. Yeah. He came to learn, yeah. you know, this concept. Mm-hmm. So Christ's incarnation is not a mere vehicle used by the Godhead to rescue human souls. It serves to pull back the curtain that had separated a human vision of God. Christ became human, but his behavior was counterintuitive rather than demand rights appropriate to a king. He demonstrated God's character of self-giving. His humiliation in obedience changed forever the course of humanity, forward throughout eternity. The last word in the story is not, and he breathed his last, which is in Luke 23, 46, but Jesus Christ is Lord, mm. Philippians 2, 11. That just gave me chills. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, and again, it's like you have this permission just to compare yourself to Christ and um, evaluate your spiritual maturity as you grow mm-hmm. and and humility doesn't mean you know wearing rags with your head down all the time mm-hmm. it just means recognizing it's seeing yourself as god sees you yeah. that's what humility is yes and i i feel like that's so appropriate too just with our the way we live we want to demand our rights we want to demand what's ours but we have this example that that's not our place, first of all. But second of all, we have freedom to not have to stress about demanding our rights, you know, because there is Absolutely. there is kind of that balance of you want your rights, but at the same time, you want someone to fight for you and you want to be able to just lay it down and let someone else do it. <laughs> and that gives us the permission <laughs> nope. to just lay it down. We don't have to fight for ourselves. We don't have to make our reputation or our even our godliness, whatever we want it to be. We get to just let Christ do it for us and we just walk in obedience. That's it. Oh my gosh. So thanks for sharing that. Like, I needed that. This is probably my favorite passage of Philippians it's so, so far. Good. I mean, the others were good, but this one is just like much needed yeah. because I don't know, there's this constant uh nagging of what the world tells you like you have to be someone, mm-hmm. you have to leave a legacy, yeah. you have to be important or you're not worth anything. Mm-hmm. And this passage is just very your legacy legacy should be Christ. Like that's it. Yeah. Like uh, count. There was a count who went. Ha, I can't pronounce his last his name. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> he said, "Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten." Wow. And that was like, that's what I want my legacy to be. Well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> that's what my spirit wants my legacy <laughs> to be. I'm still wrestling with the flesh, but I think that's so important. Yeah. And this just kind of confirms that like I don't have to be somebody Mm -hmm. super important super popular super whatever as long as I am doing 
as long as I'm being obedient and humble, yeah. none of the rest matters. It takes the stress of the hustle right out of it. Yeah. All right, guys, this has been so fun. <laughs> Emily, do you have anything to say to the good people before we uh, pop off here? Just that I'm super glad that I have a new microphone for this episode. <laughs> Yes, it sounds so much better, Thanks doesn't Megan. it? She sponsored me and gave me my very own microphone. <laughs> Actually, that new microphone is sponsored by listeners just like you Aww. on our Patreon page. So that way we can get better equipment so it's more tolerable for you to listen to in the car, on your way to wherever, or as you're showering or getting ready, wherever you're listening to this podcast. We get to sound better for you. So then I guess what I'm saying is thank you to you listeners for getting That's me my exactly very right. first microphone. I super appreciate it. It's super fun. I feel official. <laughs> and if you like the new sound of Emily's voice, why don't you go to where you're listening to your podcast and leave us five stars <laughs> and just like a little comment about, hey, I like this podcast. And if you don't like it, just don't worry about it. We don't we don't want your rating. <laughs> I don't want to hear if you heard every every lip smack and every swallow. <laughs> That's right. Guys, The Bold Moment is a ministry that helps Christian women gain confidence in their biblical literacy, faith, and evangelism through customizable content strategically created to work with our community support to enhance and expand the kingdom of God. We'll be back next week, and we hope you join us. This is just a quick reminder that you can partner with us through our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash The Bold Movement. All right, ladies, until next time, go out and be bold. I think that was our best one yet. I think so. I feel like I think it was good. there was a lot more conversation. We had a good rhythm. Yeah, we did. It's just going to keep getting better. <laughs> <laughs>